Hello, photography lovers. This is the Fashion Photography Podcast. My name is Virginia Yanchevin. Today is Wednesday, so we are here with another guest. And this interview is going to be very exciting. It was, at least for me. We've never had a guest like this before. He is the owner of the moto agency called Wild. We talk about some very interesting stuff today, but I don't want to spoil it for you. So go ahead with the podcast. Oh, and just before the start of the podcast, I would like to say that you can find our podcast on choosefashionmagazine.com, neverlandmag.com, iTunes, and also in Crowd Magazine. And the best part is that I'm not done with the exciting news. From this Friday, our Friday podcasts are going to be also video recorded, not only audio. In the show notes, you can find a link to subscribe and be able to see all the videos right after we upload them. Okay, now we can definitely go on with the podcast. Hi, my name is Farid Haddad. I'm a British Lebanese male living in London. I am the founder of a high fashion model agency that specializes in women called Wild. I come from a family business, hence how I've entered into this business. My mom is an ex-model. Um, she ended up owning an agency, a commercial agency in London, and off back of that, I worked in the business for around 10 years and then set up my own agency, which officially started in January 2007, so the beginning of this year, and now has been going for nearly a year. Have you ever tried being a model? I used to actually be a model when I was younger. We used, my brother and myself used to model with my mom. So we were like family unit. Mm-hmm. My father was living in Lebanon. He never modeled, but we were always paired up with another male as they do in the, in, in the sector. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, I have experience in modeling. And yes, I did model from quite a young age till I think it was about 15 or even 16. Nice. And then I moved away. So I stopped modeling. Mm-hmm. What's your educational background? Bachelor's degree in business um, from the American University of Beirut and an MBA degree from EBS and Regents in uh, London. Okay, so business and previous knowledge of modeling. That's a great combination. Yeah. (laughs) Did you have any doubts starting the company? Yes, I mean, it's a troublesome sector, I Mm -hmm. find. Uh, The the freelance word, I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about, is unstable sector. Yeah. Prices seem to drop rather than go up. Competition is getting fiercer. As you know, you have a lot of photographers out there, a lot of models out there. Everyone that has an Instagram account and their dog has become a model these days. (laughs) True. Yeah, it's a disorganized sector, I find, just because of the size of the businesses. It's uh, very small players, predominantly run by family, similar to us. And I find that most don't really look at it as running, say, a multinational. You have some big agencies out there like Next and IMG that, you know, they, they, they function like a corporation, mm-hmm. kind of the way I think. But most of the businesses I find are, are mom and pop shops and it actually damages the business, it damages the industry, if that makes sense, because there's no real standard and it just competition and models are everywhere and people are everywhere. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting sector to be in, but I don't find that it's a stable enough sector that makes sense and if you if you ask me why am i in it well it's kind of a no-brainer to start what start it and if you didn't have the, have a background in it, it would be very difficult to start an agency but because the family's been doing it for 34 years um, 
the business that we run has been around since 1982. So it's actually my age. Mm-hmm. It made it a little bit more attractive. But if I hadn't had the background in the sector, I would have never started it. And I'm sure that experience is not the only success secret that you have. So maybe you can share with us what else is the thing that is definitely making you one of the very, very good. I think the scouting plays a major role and hence um, why I wanted to have Antonio with us on the call. Um, but unfortunately, he's not here in Japan. Well, maybe you can tell us a little bit about him because only I know about him. <laughs> yes. How the agency came about is... I was looking at doing something new back in 2016 and somebody introduced me to Antonio who had moved on from the modeling business and he was the founder of an agency in London, which was then taken over by Next New York and ended up Next London. So he was a director at Next and worked with Next for many years and did the scouting for them. So his expertise is kind of at Next level. You know, obviously Next have some of the best girls in the world and, you know, the standard is very high, so which was very helpful. You'd be surprised at how important the actual scouting and how important somebody's eye is and how much attention to detail is paid um, when looking for a model. So it's uh, it's imperative to have one of the best. I find he's one of the best that I've ever met and seen. And what we've done in the past year and very short time is shocking everyone i mean people are stunned at how quickly we've grown and the standard of girls that we already have 12 months later having the right team is definitely essential yeah yeah i mean i also have some very good bookers that came with me and we're a small outfit we're very boutique um, we like to look after the girls make sure they're all okay and paid attention to so we don't have a huge number we're trying to keep the numbers down to anywhere between 80 to 100 so that we don't forget about people and, and pay as much attention as we can to them really mm-hmm. because you know that many people that are listening to our podcast are from the industry but they're not only photographers So I'm sure there are some very beautiful girls and boys out there that would love to become models. Can you guide us through what's exactly the things that a person needs in order to become a great model? Firstly, and most importantly, is that they want to do it. Is that it's something that they've always wanted to do as a child. You're like, oh, I wanted to be a fireman or I wanted to be mm-hmm. an astronaut or a lawyer or a doctor. So I think growing up, if you're growing up in a family where your parents have pushed you since you're a child to try new things and it's something that you've always wanted to do, great. That's the most important thing because I think that's halfway, if not three quarters of the way to the success because you, you want it enough. What I find in the sector is a lot of people are found where they're picked up on the street or somebody finds them somewhere and it's more so that they're pushed into it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I find they don't believe in themselves enough and they don't want it enough and it actually stops them from succeeding. I think you have to want something enough to succeed in it. The second, I would say, is obviously your look. I'm very strict on things like height. I find in London that the standard has dropped so dramatically. We've got girls that are 170, 171. I don't have anyone that's any shorter than 175, 176. Kind of my rule is they have to be taller than me, and I'm 176. Obviously, the look is important. The attitude is very important, especially in developed markets like London. If you don't have the attitude, if you're not nice with the clients, if you don't know how to say hello. I mean, some, some of the girls that come to us for, come from, you know, the middle of Siberia or somewhere. They, they don't even know how to say hello. So it's educating them and teaching them how to initiate a conversation, be friendly, be nice, and, and try and have the confidence to be able to discuss things to work with people. Obviously, as a photographer or a creative or an art director or stylist, you want somebody that you're going to be working with. If you're working with somebody for eight to 10 hours that day, you want somebody you're going to be able to talk to, somebody you're going to have fun with. 
you know, you want to have fun in your job if, Definitely. if, you're, if you're, you're not going to enjoy the day. So it's very important, I find. I think those are kind of the main characteristics that we would look for. Nice. And what about the age? Do you have any restrictions there? Legally in the UK, you're allowed to work above 16. If you're below 16, you have to have a child license. Stories, I mean, here in Japan, they're taking people that are 14 and, and younger. I, I don't think if you're living in a country and you're under 16, I think, great, do it locally. I don't think we should be sending our children away at age 14 and 15 to work in some market somewhere where they don't know anybody and they're sat in an apartment not doing anything. I think it's a very fragile age. And I see it a lot of the girls that we work with. You can see when they're sent away at such young ages, when once they hit slightly a more mature age, you see that it's really affected them. Mm -hmm. They've been sent away. They come from poor families, from villages somewhere, and they don't have the money, so they get sent away to work. It's tough on them. Obviously, it's tough on the family, but I, I don't know. I think we have to pay more attention to it. I think people start to mature at 18. You kind of don't know what you want at 16. So it's very difficult. But as an agency, we're always looking for somebody around that age, 16 onwards, to work on them till they're about 18. And then once they hit 18, they really start to hit the ground running. That was super, super sweet and caring of you. <laughs> I was wondering, do those people that are coming to your agency have to be previously taken any fashion modeling courses? No, it's something that the industry lacks and it's something that I look at potentially doing maybe in the future when I have a little bit more time. There's no really modeling school. Mm -hmm. There was an association in the UK, which is the AMA, but that's, I don't know what's happened to that, but it's more about the agencies. But I don't know if you've heard of that. They're, they're all getting sued for millions and hundreds of thousands for price fixing. So I'm looking at working with other agencies to create maybe a new association to include more information for the girls because there isn't enough information. I mean, you can look on stuff online, but there's no courses you can take to, to study modeling. There are a few around, but there aren't any that I find are good enough. You, today, mm -hmm. you, can go, you can go take a social media course. You can go take an architectural course. You can take a, an art course or a styling course. There's nothing really in the sector for models to learn how to walk, to learn how to talk, to learn how to pose. So they're all picking it up from experience and on shoots, which is very time consuming, obviously. And if you're not capable, then you're also potentially not going to work. So it's a, it's quite a long process and it's a lot of time and money invested in getting people to work and practice and learn things on the job. The fact that you want to raise a standard in this industry is just so fascinating. And it's a great idea. It's very interesting for me because people from the agency usually say that if they start as models, they can become bookers or scouts. And pretty much that's it. It's not like a regular company. It's an interesting sector because if you're not successful, I, I don't know what the success rate is, but if they did a statistic, I'm sure the statistic would be 10% succeed in the business. Mm -hmm. 10% are making money, if not less. Most people are not making money. Most photographers are not making money. Most models are not making money. Most most creatives are not making money. It's a very small proportion, I find, that do end up making money. And the longevity of the job is very short. So a lot of girls and guys are pushed into becoming models at, say, 16. And then they hit 18, 19, 20, and they, and they, they miss school or they... They haven't gone to university or they're doing home studying. And then they're like, well, what am I going to do if you're not successful by 1920? Well, where's my future? And I see it all the time. And a lot aren't successful for many reasons. And it's sad because not myself, but we kind of 
we're pushing people into this job rather than wanting this job. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No one's really planning like, what's going to happen to me at 22 or 23 or 24 or 25 or 26, 30, 35. And, and when, when your career comes to an end, because the work starts to diminish, you can obviously go on to become a classic model or, or something else. But I see it all the time, the amount of people that end up hitting the age of 30 and then they don't know what they're going to do and no agency wants them anymore because they've been abused and used and pretty much done everything. So there's no longevity and there's no stability for that person. If you're coming back to your question about school, maybe there's something that can be done in a school or if a school has started for them to continue in, in another career or retrain for something else. No, oh, yeah, definitely. That would be just great. But at the same time, it could be a little bit sad, but those people, those models, they learn a lot. They learn a lot about the industry. They learn a lot about fashion, for example. And we have a lot of photographers here and also stylists, people uh, that been part of this podcast. And at the same time, they started as models, but they became really big professionals. So Mm -hmm. it could be sad at some point, you're right. But I think that they are also learning a lot. They're not only giving to the industry. But I was wondering, Mm -hmm. they might learn a lot about the fashion industry. And do you think they have to know something before the start of their modeling career? It's a big sector. I mean, it's it's a huge sector where to start. But I I think it's important to understand how it works and how photo shoots work and what you're required to do. So yeah, some basic knowledge is always good rather than just getting thrown thrown in at the deep end. Talking to young models, I think that their biggest fear is to go in other countries for the very first time. And I've been wondering, do you have any tips what's going to be good for them to look for in an agency? Of course, they have bookers, they have their team behind their back. But they still worried, especially when they're very, very young. So maybe you can yeah. help. By having them live together is always very helpful. So when models are traveling and if you put them in, in larger units, so maybe four or even five people to a house, it helps rather than one or two. Because sometimes they actually don't get along with that one person that's living with them. So giving them more options within say an apartment or a house where they're living is always very helpful to make friends. It makes it a lot easier. I find that the models that contact somebody from the agency that's already in, say, town, that's already working with us and start like an online relationship before they arrive also is is helpful. Um, And obviously we try and keep the girls very close to us. So all the apartments that I book are in and around the area that the office is in. So we're very accessible to them if they need to come in. Also, the office that I run also has a model apartment above it. Nice. Yeah. So the younger generation or the younger girls end up staying kind of under our roof rather than somewhere else if they ever need anything. And obviously, it's always a concern about fire precautions and potentially something happening in the house if they're too young. Um, you know, we consider somebody that's 16 an adult, but really are 16, 17 year olds adults, you know, even at 18. Some of the things that I've seen are saying from people leaving the gas stove on to people leaving the door on to people leaving the window on. God knows what else happens that I don't even, I don't even want to know about. You're the owner of the agency. So maybe you can tell us what's like one of your days, a simple day, maybe. <laughs> Get into the office, kind of set up the day, a lot of emails flying backwards and forwards, a lot of questions, a lot of 
payments, a lot of payment problems at the moment, seem to be struggling to get money from people all the time. People that are finding the sector aren't very good payers at most of the time. So constantly chasing the accounts department, trying to get the girls paid as quickly as possible, which is a large part of my job. Talking about the standard in the sector, a lot of companies that we work with seem to think that they can pay models in 60 and 90 days. But, you know, we live in the Western world. We live in London. Obviously, if you're working in a job, you expect to get paid 30 days later. If I couldn't pay myself in 30 days or my employees in 30 days, how would they afford to pay rent? So we're constantly chasing money and trying to explain to clients that, you know, we need to pay the models on time. We need to get the money to them because obviously some of these girls may be a month to a month and a half, two months sometimes without any money. And they're, they're taking minimal pocket money that we're, we're uh, splashing out. So there's a lot of investment up front coming from us. And then for us to get paid 90 days later, 120 days later, I find it's unacceptable. I find a lot of my time is spent with my accounts department and the bookers making sure that the models are paid in time, making sure that all the information is ready, that we have everything, that the girls are working with reliable people, with trustworthy people. I think that's a common problem in the industry, especially with those months of not paying. <laughs> I don't find it acceptable. Oh, no, no, no. It's not acceptable. You're not buying stock. You're not buying mm -hmm. some material from India somewhere that you can pay a supplier in 90 days. This is a human being. Absolutely. Being needs food, needs shelter, needs to eat, needs to send money home, needs, you know, th th we need things, right? We have, we have our needs. Same again, I, I hear it all the time. And it's somewhere down the line, people have just forgotten. It's like, oh, we pay in 90 days. No, you can't pay in 90 days. You've got bills to pay. You, you have to pay for, if you're doing a shoot and you have to pay for the setup and the cost, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot of outlay, a lot of money that's being outlaid up front where you're getting it so far down the line. Is it really worth it at times? Do you actually say this to your clients? I'm very strict on payment. I don't take shit, excuse my language, from anyone. <laughs> anyone is late paying. I generally tend to not want to work with them. I couldn't care less. I just find it unacceptable. I mean, I'm in a position to be able to pick and choose who I want to work with, and I want to work with like-minded people. So I'm, I'm quite firm on payment. I'm quite firm with clients on rates and what the girls deserve because, you know, these days you're not working every day. As a freelancer, yeah. people have to into consideration and people are, are constantly, oh, but this photographer is doing it for this much. This agency is doing it for this much. But it's not about that. You know, these girls are sitting at home sometimes a couple of days a week and then they're only working a couple of days a week. And if that is so, it's, it's very difficult for them. And it's a lot of thought that they sit going through and a lot of negative thoughts and a lot of pessimism, I find. So I want to try to keep, keep everyone optimistic, keep them happy make sure they're getting decent rates, it's to motivate them. You know, once clients are saying, oh, we're only paying 250 pounds and 300 pounds, it's become a joke sometimes. And then if you say no to it, they're like, oh, somebody else is doing it for this amount. Yeah, good luck. You got taken from, well, why are you speaking to me if, if you're getting the models at these rates? So it's constant grueling down. Again, we're not buying, I don't know, we're not buying some material from someone. Yeah. This is a, it's a human. And we have to treat humans like we want to be treated. Absolutely. And there is the other thing. We're usually working to make commercials and things like that. It's the same. And if we have to talk straight, if I'm shooting a commercial for, let's say, chocolate, they find it acceptable to pay me three months after the shoot. But at the same time, if I go to the store and I want a chocolate, I have to pay hey, it gosh. at the same <laughs> moment. Yeah. yeah. Two things in this business. One of the one that drives me cr even crazier than that is the fact that people actually give you a rate that somewhere along the line, because mom and pop are running these businesses, 
we've somehow allowed clients to determine the rate they want to pay us. Even looking mm -hmm. at, say, the British Fashion Council, the British Fashion Council set the rates for Fashion Week. We as an agency are obliged to accept what the British Fashion Council set as rates for, for shows in London. Mm -hmm. The rate that they have is 10 years old. This year, inflation in London was 4%. So our rates over the past 10 years in our business gone up. No, they've gone down. And we all know that. And nobody, we discuss mm -hmm. it and talk about it. But is anything, is anyone doing anything about it? So inflation, if on average is going up 2% a year, and it's 10 years, that's 20% up. Have, have rates gone up in the past 10 years, 20%? No, they've probably gone down 40% or 50%. And setting a rate is the client comes to us and says, this is the rate we want to pay. I've never, and I'm, I'm still looking. And if anybody out there can tell me a business in the world where a client mm -hmm. sets the rate, I'll give them anything they want. There's no business anywhere in the world where you determine what you want to pay for the product or the service. The only business and industry that does that, which is mind boggling. How is this happening? And then, yeah, it's, it's going back to you walk into an Italian and not pay and say you want to pay later, 90 days later. No, you should be getting paid straight away. Like I said, we've never talked about these things before. The more important part for me is that not many people in the industry are even mentioning those topics. So if you got excited from this interview, let me know by leaving us an honest review on iTunes. This is not only going to help us to reach more people, but also to bring other amazing guests for you. Thank you very much for being with us today. And don't forget that this Friday, we'll be able to actually see each other, or at least you'll be able to see me. And I know it's going to sound weird, but I definitely cannot wait. <laughs>